Welcome to Go Into All the World. Today, Gary's going to continue talking about the Christmas story, finishing up there, and then moving into Romans 8. So now, without any further ado, here's Gary. Well, again, I appreciate you joining me today. And as Russ said, uh, I, I talked uh, a little bit about the Christmas story, and I mentioned a little bit about Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist. And today I want to continue talking about him and kind of finish the Christmas story up. Again, this is more of an emphasis on the miraculous or the supernatural, so our eyes will be open to that, as well as the wonderful birth of our Savior. So, Okay, <clears throat> some of the comments in Luke chapter 1. Zacharias did not believe the words of the angel Gabriel. Remember, Gabriel came to him, gave him some, you know, so to speak, a prophecy or gave him a word. And at the end, because he didn't believe him, Gabriel said, hey, you're going to be mute. You're not going to talk until the birth of your son. Now think about that. Here's a man that went inside the temple, going to do his temple thing. He's not going to talk for nine months, all right? That's kind of unusual. You go into the temple, come back out, you can't talk. But it's because the angel had told him you didn't believe. Next thing it says, there was a discussion about the name of the baby. If you remember, I think it was Luke 1, maybe verses 50, 58, somewhere in that. And they were kind of talking about, the relatives were talking about, well, what are we going to call the baby? And uh, finally, Elizabeth said the name, okay, and of course Elizabeth is the mother, said the name of the baby is going to be John. Well, those people around the book, they're kind of, they're like puzzled. They're like, well, wait a minute, that's not like a family name or nobody else has named that. Um, I wonder why she picked that name out. I mean, those were thought, some of the thoughts they had. So they thought, well, let's just, let's talk to the father, you know, and he's like, he like writes down his answers on his tablet or something like that. So they kind of signaled him. He came over. They gave him a little tablet. He wrote, he wrote down his name is John. And if you remember the story, as soon as he wrote down his name is John, he could talk again. Okay, so what the angel said is true. You're not going to talk until the birth of your baby. And as soon as he wrote down his name is John, he could talk again. And again, people were marveling both about the fact that, A, he could now talk, but B, where did this name come from? And you know, Sometimes in life, God puts inspiration and stuff or brings us some idea or, or just, again, inspires something inside of us. And that's where things like this come from. And, of course, we know the angel had mentioned it. So it was a little bit more specific than a, a general inspiration. But, again, we get things from heaven sometimes, and maybe we don't always recognize it. Well, I'm gonna, I want to encourage you today and just have you think about God might inspire or encourage you in an area and then let it out. Let it out. Say, maybe this is what I feel like saying. I want to call him John, or I want to do this, or I want to take up baseball, and kind of go for your passion, all right? Well, again, here we go back to the miraculous or the super part, or the supernatural parts, excuse me. Remember, this angel Gabriel came to earth. Next thing, he said, and okay, and the prophecy was this couple, like an older couple, John and, and oh, I'm sorry, <clears throat> Zacharias and Elizabeth, were going to bear a son. Well, how, how many people would say an angel is going to come to earth? How many people would prophesy that an older couple is going to have a kid? I don't think so. Uh, and I think if you were inspired by heaven, you'd feel very comfortable about saying this older couple is going to have a kid. It's not something we kind of do naturally or things like that. And again, the same thing as far as he went into the temple. He was doing his temple work, and I think they went in once a week, I believe, or maybe once every couple of weeks they went in, other people alternated. And when he comes back out, he can't talk. Now, to me, that's highly unusual. I send somebody into the temple, or I send somebody into a church, or uh, you know, some, some place of worship, or even just a building, and they come back out and they can't talk. To me, that would be highly unusual. And it's like, how did this thing happen? How does somebody go in and suddenly they can't talk? 
Then, as I mentioned earlier, how do I say he writes down the word John, and now he can talk again? And I don't mean to overemphasize that, but if you meditate on these things, you begin to see there is a God, he does supernatural things, and he shows us his power. And to me, that just confirms to myself and other believers, as well as gives us a platform to talk to unbelievers. Hey, you just saw a lady, a teenage girl, give birth, and she was never impregnated by a man, okay? She was a virgin. Now, is that, it, it, this doesn't happen, okay? Now, obviously, we have artificial insem- insemination now. It's a little bit different world, but that doesn't happen. And so I encourage you, you think on these things and allow yourself and, so to speak, to be open to the supernatural and encourage others, yes, there's a God. You know, I saw a TV ad yesterday, I believe it was, and it was, it was like the Atheist Society. I'm not sure what their name, Freedom for Religion Society. And this guy comes on and said, you know, I'm an atheist, and I don't care, and I'm not even worried about burning in hell. And I thought, brother, look out. I wouldn't say that in front of somebody. And here's, here's he is talking about it on TV. And he said, I want you to join me or join my organization, okay? And it's, again, we're atheists. We're agnostic. We don't believe there's a God and da-da-da-da-da. So if they can be that bold, okay, we need to be that bold. That Yes, there's a God, and here's some signs. You saw a baby born from a virgin. That's impossible, scientifically impossible. You saw a man walk into a temple, came back out, couldn't speak for, quote, nine months, and then one day he wrote down a word on a tablet, and now he can speak. That is beyond, okay, the human ability. That's beyond science. Those things just cannot happen, all right? So to me, they're proof that there's a God. The next thing I want to do as far as ending the story or the Christmas story, I want to talk a little bit about Mary's song, okay, kind of find it towards the end of Luke and also a prophecy from Zacharias. Well, Mary's song is found in Luke 1, 46 through 54. To me, it's a beautiful testimony about God's greatness and God's care for us. And I'm going to read a couple verses. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit has rejoiced. He has regarded my lowly state. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. He has put down the mighty from the thrones and exalted the lowly. Well, think about these verses. She's in his greatness. This is what Mary said or Mary said. And in his wonderfulness, he regarded those who are humble. Sometimes people that are humble, they nobody cares about me or, you know, I'm just kind of, I'm not one of these people that stand out. Well, guess what? Seek that God of heaven and earth, and he is going to regard you, and he's probably looking at you right now, realizing you're not, so to speak, uh, so to speak, overemphasizing or overexalting yourself, but you're humble. You're trying to walk in humility. Hopefully it's for him, and if not, if you don't know him, I encourage you to get to know him and then walk humbly with him. All right, but he's going to exalt just like he did with, so to speak, Mary. Um, sometimes I know too. It's again we kind of like envy people that are like up front, or they they get a name, or they're on TV, or they're famous, or something like that. Well, I just want to encourage you today that God can do that for you, and maybe that's your state in life. And if not, be humble and be so to speak grateful that you're walking with the God of heaven and earth. There's a lot of people who don't believe in him. And like that atheist said, I don't care if I burn in hell. Well, guess what? You're not going to burn in hell if you know God. And I would not want to burn in hell. I don't want to be tormented for the rest of my, quote, thousands and thousands of years. So, again, even if I'm not famous or something like that, I'm going to thank the God of heaven and earth. Thank him for my daily things. And also thank you. Thank him that I know him and I know his, his son. I've been born again. I know his son is Savior and things like that. 
So again, God can reach down just like he did for Mary and touch your life. So that's, to me, some of the important things or something I extrapolate or I take from this song. Well, let's go to Zechariah's prophecy. It runs from basically Luke 1, 67, or verse 67 to 79. Here are a couple verses. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. He has is he is visited and redeemed his people, that we should be saved from our enemies, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear. And you, child, he's talking about a son, will be called the prophet of the highest, for you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give light those, to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet in the way of peace. Okay? To me, these are very, very beautiful lines. Okay, His son's going to go before Jesus. His son's going to come into places that are dark and, and, so to speak, bring the light. Or, hey, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. The light of the world, the light of the earth is coming. So, again, I, 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 to me, this is very, very exciting when I see these verses because they kind of like give me more of an ironclad, so to speak, faith in God. It, it kind of something I can hang my hat on, something I can, again, as you know, go into all the world, I can tell other people about. Look, there was a guy named John. He went before Jesus. He did this and he did that. And these are wonderful things that show the God of heaven and earth is alive and he has a plan and he's going to execute that plan and he's going to do it because he loves us and because he wanted to reconcile us us to him and things like that. Um, I would really encourage you as, as I kind of finish up here that take some time, look at uh, Zacharias's prophecy, look at Mary's song, and if you have a like, Christmas celebration or do a family kind of Christmas thing, maybe include okay Mary's song and Zacharias's prophecy, because to me they expand the greatness and the goodness of God, something that we can all, so to speak, use, something we can all feel, something we all need to, so to speak, feel. Um, I want to celebrate the birth of Jesus just as much as anybody else. To me, that's wonderful, and that's part of the, obviously, the big part of the, the whole Christmas story. But I don't want to let forget some of these other things, that Jesus was born of a virgin, something that cannot physically happen, okay? This, this virgin announced it or was given an announcement from an angel, and then she spoke it. When she went and saw Elizabeth, Elizabeth said, you're the mother of my Lord. Well, how, how would Elizabeth know that? Mary just walked into her house, and somehow uh, Elizabeth knows this, that she's carrying Jesus. Those are, those are supernatural things. Those are beyond our ability. This is beyond the humanness. And again, I just want to encourage you to kind of walk in that. So again, as we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, let's kind of think of these other things, all right? Let's think of these other things that God does, that, so to speak, help us to see his greatness. And if we meditate on those things, it's going to build a faith and build an understanding, build a, a joy and a peace. And then you're going to be able to express that joy and peace to others. Remember, the show's called Go Into All the World. So I kind of want to kind of take things and bring it back to that point that if I get excited about these things, if I see the God of heaven or doing these things, then I can express that same love and joy and peace to others. And one day somebody will be listening and they're going to go, why are you different? Why are you talking about God? Okay. Why? Because he's alive and he wants to know you. And then you get a chance to witness to them or so to speak, you get a chance to be quote born again, the person I'm talking to. A little bit more in the supernatural. I won't go too far here, but here's something that Jesus said. And again, a lot of times people kind of like put down, well, I, I think the Spirit's not moving or the Spirit quit moving. Or, Well, here's what Jesus said. He said, these signs will follow those who believe on me. 
Okay, He didn't say these signs will follow those who believe on me for a few hundred years or maybe 10, uh, say, 10 centuries or whatever or two centuries or, you know, maybe uh, 50 years or something like that. He said, no, these signs will follow those that who believe in me. He says, in my name, they'll cast out demons. They'll speak in new tongues. They'll take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it will be no, no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will cover Remember, Jesus said, or if you want to call it, prophesied these words. And, you know, today, and again, I'm, I'm charismatic. I come from that background. Um, I see these signs happening. I see many people laying hands on the sick. I see people getting, so to speak, healed because they believe the words in the Bible. I see people speaking in tongues and things like that. And so I, I really want to kind of, so to speak, put that out there, just like I kind of put out there about the Christmas story, some of the supernatural and the miraculous. Because I know there's a lot of people in the body of Christ that maybe think, well, the Spirit's not moving anymore, those gifts were for a season or something like that. And I want to respectfully disagree with them. And I want to encourage them, you know, if you don't believe in these things, please don't knock them down and please don't, like, come after other people that do. You know, say, hey, Gary, I don't believe in the gifts, okay? And then just leave it at that and say, hey, God, you know, Gary believes in them or so-and-so believes in them. If they're real, show me. That way you're kind of humbling yourself before God that there's some other people that believe these things, but I don't or my, the, my doc, denomination or, or my doctrine is different. But if you allow God to maybe show you that they're real, that's cool. And here's why it's cool is that sometimes you're going to be around people that need to have a miracle or maybe need a miracle or they need to be healed or praying in tongues would give them a release and peace and stuff. And if you put these things down, maybe they won't be open to them, all right? And they may need them. Maybe you don't need them. And praise God if you don't. That's wonderful. But on the other hand, if you start putting them down and you're around people that need them, or they may shy away or they may not press into God and say, God, I, you know, my, my child's sick, but I know you're not doing miracles anymore. Or you might heal me if I'm good enough. And some of the whacked out doctrine, okay? That's not the God of heaven and earth. And again, if you don't believe in those things, I encourage you, just keep your mouth shut and say, I don't believe in them. God help me to believe if it's true, all right? The last thing about this particular thing is, remember angels come and they kind of visit people and things like that. And a lot of people say, that's not possible, or I don't believe that, or it couldn't happen today. Well, I know a number of, re of reported cases that are documented. And, of course, I've mentioned to you two stories of my own life. Two times that angel, one spoke to me, and the other time some, he just he just shut my head down so I could see a player's feet were aimed wrong on a tennis court. Now, do I make a big deal? Do I try to push that doctrine? No, I want to share it so other people will think about it. And if they need a visitation or God sends them a visitation, they'll be open to it. Well, like Russ said, we're going to go on to Romans 8 today. I'm going to read the last couple verses from uh, chapter 7 and kind of like give a background or kind of a lead-in to uh, chapter 8. And we're going to just see wonderful things happen in chapter 8 of Romans because things have been building up. I'm frustrated. Who's going to deliver me from this body of death? How are things going to get better? And we're going to find out in verse 8 that Jesus has already done it. So here we go. Verses chapter 7, 21 through 25. I find a law then, again, this course is Paul, uh, writing and speaking, that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God, according to the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? 
Then verse 25, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. So again, we see that he kind of, that last verse there, he kind of comes back and said, hey, who's going to deliver me? Well, thank God Jesus has already done that. Well, let's go to Romans 8.1 and find out what Jesus has done and what Paul talks about here. Romans 8.1 said, There's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Well, think about those verses. It says right there, because of what Christ did, there's no condemnation for you and me. Um, the despair that we kind of saw at the end of verse 7, or chapter 7, excuse me, uh, it, it's eclipsed by what Jesus did and provided. The second part, it says there's no condemnation now. That means like today, right now, today, where you are, where you're listening to me, or you hear this on a podcast, or somebody shares it with you, or you, so to speak, get a, a transcript or something, there's now, today, there's no condemnation. Not tomorrow, not in the sweet by and by, not in heaven, not when you get your act together, not when this happens, not when you give up that sin, not when you get that doctrine right, but now, there's no condemnation now. There's no condemnation now, and it's going to be that way forever. We are free from condemnation. And I encourage you to think about that. I know for, for myself and probably a lot of the other believers, we lived under condemnation. We allowed it to come in. We didn't understand, no, Gary, you're, that's not you. You might do some things that don't look Christ-like, but that's not you. You want to see what your position is in him. Then begin to live it or walk it out and resist those things that are telling you, oh, you, uh, this, you should be condemned for that. Oh, you're bad. You're evil. You know what? That, that just, just takes me down, and it ticks off God because he said, look, I sent my son so you'd have no condemnation. So when people are telling you you should be condemned or feel condemned, they're actually lying about me and my son and what my son did. So it's much bigger than Gary not feeling condemnation. We're actually attacking God and what Jesus did on the cross. Now, I don't want to get there too theologically heavy, but if you think some of the things through that people say, they're really attacking God, let alone myself or somebody else that, so to speak, preaches or talks about these doctrines. So one more time, right now there's no condemnation. And as one commentary said, the word no here is very, very specific. It means there's no hint of it. There's no probability of it. There's nothing from God. There's nothing that can possibly change it. Now, I don't know total, I don't know Greek, but that's exactly what the commentary said. This is a very specific no. So when he says now there is no condemnation, it'll never come up. It can never be brought up. Because again, that's what the Greek is saying here. Um, <clears throat> finally, the other thing I encourage you, we, we talked a lot about this in Romans 5, 6, and 7, is that we're, so to speak, our old nature is dead and gone. We don't have to, so to speak, ever live in that again. Do we have some residue, some carryover? Yes. Do we have to resist that residue and carryover? Yes. But since we're not going to live, so to speak, in the old nature, a lot of the things that we do that would condemn us, we're not even going to do them anymore. And remember, the Bible says that you're free from sin. You're dead to sin. So you don't have to do those things that would lead to condemnation, all right? So again, we've got kind of a double thing. God says there's no condemnation, and now you're a new creature. You're not going to walk in those things that would normally condemn us. So again, think about those things today, and we'll go on to Romans 8, 2. It says, For by the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus... This law has made me free from the law of sin and death. Well, I used to look at that for a lot of years and think, what, what is that talking about? Okay, well, first of all, let's talk about the, the law of sin and death. We know that sin produces death. And when we say sin, it can be 
we do a sin and maybe we don't die if you want to call it physically die but maybe we get depressed maybe we get broke maybe we get you know so to speak down maybe we get angry so when we say it leads to death it can be one of those kind of emotions or feelings or maybe positions in life i get broke or i lose my family because i because i drink or something like that but you know what the bible says now that you're free from that okay and how did i get free from this law of sin and death did i do something well, first of all, you got born again, and you met Christ. And it says the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So did I get it on my own? No, I got it by one accepted Christ. What Jesus did and the spirit of life inside of him, it gives me new life. So now that I'm free from that other stuff. And that's really what it's talking about here. And again, I didn't understand that for, for many, many years. All right, And if you think about it, if you like, it may be a little further here. I won't get too theological, but it says he's fulfilled the law. If he fulfilled the law, all the blessings of anybody that, like the Deuteronomy, you know, so to speak, blessings and curses, all those, I can receive those. Why? Because he fulfilled the law. Could I fulfill the law? Of course not. We say that over and over again. We all fall short. We can't keep the law. If we could, it'd be great. But if we kept 99.9% and was only got, oh, that little 0.01%, yeah, you do that, it's like you've broken the whole thing. But Jesus fulfilled that law. So we've actually got a victory that we've never earned. and We've got blessings that we can have that he died for and he paid for. All right. All right. Next one, we go on to Romans 8.3. It says, For what the law could not do, in that was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. Well, we've talked a number of times that in the bat or in the last few, uh, so to speak, programs, or maybe the last couple months of programs, that the law is holy and good. We know that it's holy and good, and Paul even said that. But here he's saying what the law could not do because it was weak, okay? But it's weak, what? It's through the flesh. So even though the law is good, and if we kept it, it would even be better, all right? We can't keep it. So again, our flesh, the thing that can't keep the law, all right, is reason why he says the law is weak through the flesh or what the law was trying to do, it couldn't do because of our flesh. Now it says God did by sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh. So again, we know now that the law is weak because of our flesh. It's our flesh is tied into it. We can't keep it, okay? Our flesh is going to fall short. You know, it said Elizabeth and Zacharias were walking great with God. They kept all the commandments and stuff, but they weren't perfect. Nobody's perfect, all right? So even them, the, the God, the Bible commended for walking in things, they would still fall short, so they couldn't keep their law on their own. But what we couldn't do, what the law couldn't do, Jesus did. And because he kept the law, a, it leads to our salvation. It also leads to any condemnation or guilt or shame or if you want to call it punishment, okay, is on him. It's not on us, all right? So finally, we want to say, God, thank you for sending Jesus, all right? Thank you for condemning him. Thank you for putting all of our shame, putting all of our punishment, putting the things that we should have been bearing on him. So now we actually get credit, if you want to call that, for fulfilling the law. Think about that verse, okay? And again, give God praise for what he's done for you today, what he's done for you in, in Christ right now. And I just feel that the program's almost over today, but I want to encourage you to find your identity in Christ. 
Find out who you are and what he's done. If you learn to walk in that, you're going to be so excited and you're going to have so much joy and peace because he's done a lot of these things that we kind of want to do. Like Paul said, I want to do good, but I can't. Well, we have a flesh. We have some residue. Even our old nature's gone. We still have that residue. But if you find out who you are, you're going to walk in this newness of life like the Bible talks it about. And you're going to see that the law of the spirit of life and Christ Jesus sets you free from the law of sin and death. Well, to me, that is good news. And that's why, you know, when the angels came back to the Christmas story, they said, peace on earth and goodwill to men. It wasn't because there was this neat story. It's because God reconciled the world to himself through Christ, okay? The babe that was coming would eventually die on the cross, and he'd reconcile. So now we have access to God. We have peace with God. And again, what Jesus did, what we couldn't do, so now we get what we didn't earn, okay? And we get to keep what he did earn. Well, I want to say thank you so much for listening today. I'm going to come back to Romans 8, 4 next week and and kind of go from there. If there's anything I've said today that kind of encourages you, take it, meditate on it, meditate it by looking at the scriptures, meditate it, maybe listen to the program again, and let God bless you and let God put that spirit of life in you and give you a greater life and a greater joy and peace so you can go into all the world. 